everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. This is a re-release of an episode that was recorded at the very launch of the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. We want to republish it as many of you have have probably not listened and it's extremely timely for the fall slash winter season that's either here or approaching depending on where you live. In this episode, you'll hear Dr. Jen Haley talk a lot about strengthening the skin barrier. At the time of this episode, the time we recorded it, we did not yet have launched our BioBarrier Serum that works to protect and rebuild your skin barrier. If you want to learn more about skin barrier and how BioBarrier works, be sure to tune into episode 57, What is Leaky Skin and How to Avoid It. You will also hear me chat about an R&D product we have that down-regulates mTOR. This product is now our ProCare Senolytic Anti-Aging Serum. If you want to learn more about this product, you can tune into episode 36, Skin Aging, Senescent Cells, and Using Senolytics. We will link both of these episodes in the, sh- in the show notes for you to easily go and listen, uh, listen to them next. Plus, if you want to check out both of these products or learn more about them on our website, we'll include links to both of our sh- uh, to both in our show notes. But again, that's our ProCare Senolytic Anti-Aging Serum and our BioBarrier Serum. And now, without further ado, let's uh, listen to the episode. Jen, please, for the listeners who, who didn't hear you before and get fell in love with you immediately, tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there. Sure. If you didn't hear before, listen to all of Amitai's podcasts and Biohacking Beauty. I highly recommend it. And you can also hear him on my podcast, Radiance Revealed, with Dr. Jen Haley. Uh, That's on all platforms. (laughs) So um, my background is I've been a board-certified dermatologist since 2004. I've lived all over the U.S. and overseas and have seen all different types of skin and all different types of climates. And I just really love sharing good information at this point in my life with, with other people. So that's what I'm here to do. Amazing. You know, that's the best introduction. You have seen it all and in, the information you share in um, your podcast, in your social media presence, and on my podcast was just, you know, top of the line. And that's kind of why I called you back in, in order to discuss the seasons changing. So we're in the midst of fall. We wouldn't be able to tell it by the uh, by out the outside here in, in South Florida, but uh, I heard it's uh, fall is upon us in other parts of the land, and right. um, winter comes directly after. To those who didn't know, so I felt it's an amazing opportunity to kind of talk about skin, skin regimen, and the you know the, under the framework of fall and winter, because as biohackers or as wellness-seeking individuals, one of the things that should be on our mind is seasonality in food, obviously in clothing, that's kind of self-explanatory, but also in our skin regimen. So, Jen, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, the characteristics of fall and winter and uh, what can we do uh, as far as um, adjust our skin regimen, our skin care regimen, the procedures we do to those uh, season 
seasons. Right. Yeah. It's such a great topic because I think we kind of get stuck in a routine and we think that if we change our routine, then we're going to change our results, but we actually have, have to change our routine when the, when the world around us changes. And the more I'm alive and the more I, I do this kind of work and just make observations from the outside in outside of just the dermatology world, but more in the holistic world and in the biohacking world, cycles are really good. You know, rhythm and cycle is very, very good for pretty much everything. You know, I mean, obviously we expect the moon to cycle and women's cycle and, you know, hormones cycle and all of those things, but also our food should cycle, our, our dietary needs and our skin, our skincare should cycle. And the way I look at the skin is we want to nourish it from the inside out and we want to nourish it from the outside in. So in the fall, in most places, I, I bounce back between Scottsdale, Arizona, which is always dry and very hot and sunny. I'm wearing a tank top pretty much every time we've ever talked. (laughs) And Park City, Utah, where it's getting really crisp outside and cold, and it's even drier than Arizona. So I've seen a lot of dryness in the environments where I've been. Obviously, in Florida, it's not quite as dry. I've lived in Hawaii and California, which are not quite as dry. So you have to take your own personal environment into play. But as a general rule, when the weather starts getting colder, the humidity in the air goes down, especially when heat is on in the home. So what we have to do is really work on protecting our our skin barrier. So our skin, the reason I find skin so fascinating is it's it's what separates us from the outside world. So when people get burned and have large amounts of their area of their body burned, they don't die from the burn, they die from loss of fluid, they die from infection, because our skin protects us from all the environmental toxins, all of the germs, everything out there. So when we develop cracks in our skin or compromised skin barrier, we're more prone to get a dermatitis and allergy and infection, all these other things. So that's why it's so important to protect the skin barrier. So externally, you need to boost up moisture, even if you're acne prone. So what I have people do often is whatever their normal skincare routine is, they can even boost it with adding a little bit of hyaluronic acid to their normal skincare routine. And the key is most moisturizers and hyaluronic acid work by holding in moisture more than adding moisture to the skin, especially if it's for acne prone skin, it doesn't have an oil base to it, you know, which many people don't want an oil base and get acne prone. So, you know, like your products, they're non-comedogenic and they're, they're not going to add a ton of, you know, oil to the skin. So you want to get out of the shower, maybe, you know, wash your face while it's still damp, and then use all of the highly active ingredients to seal in the moisture while also being able to infuse the ingredients, the active ingredients into the skin. So it's about increasing hydration from the outside side in, whether you use a mister and then your products or just a little bit of water on your face or get out of the shower when it's steamy and then add the products to your face. Don't let your skin dry completely when you put your products on, whether it's your face or your body. And you're going to want to hydrate your body as soon as you get out of the shower too with, I like ceramide rich products for the body. Now, um, inside out, I'm a big fan of fish oil. I think fish oil and vitamin D are necessary for everyone. Magnesium as well, but that's not going to help with skin barrier so much. Um, but vitamin D and fish oil, I recommend it 5,000 I use a day of vitamin D and 2,000 for fish oil. Um, 2,000 milligrams? Yes, exactly. 2,000 milligrams of fish oil. Some people can do more. I know when I did the neurofeedback with uh, 40 years of Zen, you know, you want to boost it because it helps with neuroplasticity and things like that. But the thing about fish oil is I do a fair amount of procedures in my office and it predisposes you to bleeding. So there's a fine line, you know, between too much and, and just enough. But fish oil really does make your skin look plump and juicy. 
Let me ask you a kind of a question about fish oil. We hear a lot about DHA and uh, EPA as far as, uh, as fish oil. So the question is, should one be higher than another when you're taking your supplement? Should you be aiming for one and not the other? I like both. I mean, I definitely like both. I know I've seen some studies where I think, uh, don't quote me, I may be wrong, but higher EPA is better for ADD. And you know, there are certain neurological conditions, but for your skin, just a good multi. I like pure encapsulations. I think they have high quality. And if someone's predisposed to get the fish oil burps, I have them put it in the freezer and store it in the freezer and then just take their pills with a fatty meal and enzymes if possible, if you have access to some enzymes as well, or like bio-optimizers, mass signs. I like, I like those. I find that I could digest anything, even, you know, a birthday meal or something like that. So that's a little indulgent. They help me metabolize uh, or yeah, things a little bit quicker. And then krill oil is sort of the best. It's more expensive and more pricey. And Pure encapsulations in some companies out there, they have, I think Douglas Laboratories, they have krill oil with astaxanthin. Now that's our home run because astaxanthin is what's going to give your skin a nice rosy glow. And it's basically what turns salmon and shrimp pink. So that imports color in your own skin, which protects you from daily toxins and UV radiation and all sorts of other things, in addition to adding that hydration to your skin. Because the way that the skin is made is we have these little phospholipids on each side to help protect you know, this, the skin on the inside. So we need fat, otherwise we're going to look dehydrated and sunken in and kind of saggy, healthy fat. Understood. Oh, so let me ask you a question. Okay, so how do you feel about protein cycling if you want to downregulate mTOR because your audience probably knows, you know, high protein increases mTOR. And as we get older, I always am concerned about sarcopenia. So I purposely try to have a higher protein diet. It works well for my body and everyone's different depending on their genetics. But I know there's some controversy or some thoughts out there and definitely some research on cycling protein and having a protein poor day, I guess is what you call it. Yeah. So what do you think about that internally as well as for the skin with this new product? This sounds amazing. I'm going to tell you the meta and the, the macro and the micro. And that is by, by now, especially that I'm not a scientist per se. I think you're only giving hypotheses and predictions in this point. Right. But I'm going to tell you my hypothesis and my predictions. So firstly, mTOR is a pathway that we're going to make it super basic. The amount of amino acids we're consuming, the proteins that we're consuming, mainly the ones from red meat, are going to make that pathway more active. And this pathway is pro-aging pathway. It, it, it doesn't mean you're going to age like a pro. It means you're, <laughs> it, it, uh, it, down, it basically makes, makes you age faster. And in the skin specifically, and what we, what we kind of track down how it affects skin aging specifically, is through an expression of, uh, of a protein called progerin. And uh, the interaction or the measurement of progerin in the skin can kind of point us to the way that mTOR affects our skin aging. But back to your question, you know, have you heard about Mark Sisson? You have, you've had, yes, of course. heard about this company. Everyone has Primal Kitchen or Primal Nutrition, but he has a new book about metabolic flexibility. And I'm obsessed with this book. I think to me, as a person that in his head is preparing for competition every day. This is the book that hits a home run as far as describing my experience with food and what has helped me in the past. And every time you're asking me, should we practice flexibility in our diet? 
The answer is yes. Immediately yes, as, as the meme says. Immediately yes. But for the listeners, what do you mean by flexibility? I mean, I so think what, I know what you mean by flexibility. What, what I mean is, is that when you're asking me, should I train my body to have a metabolism that reacts quickly to challenges or to changes in our diet? And should I be training my body to do that? The answer is immediately yes, okay? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, if you have a, a way to expand your body's abilities to extract energy from food, you should be doing that. If we think about the uh, biggest epidemic in the world right now, which is the epidemic of excess, which basically means we, have, we are consuming way too much food, calories, whatever that may be, unhealthy fats, unhealthy carbohydrates than we were ever designed for, then this epidemic is because when we are presented as human beings with the choice of not even us as human beings, our subconscious, our primal brain is facing the choice to consume fast calories that normally are existing in nature in very low quantity, but also degrade in nature very fast, such as imagine how you know, apples or, you know, fruits, how long they would last in nature. Our body is designed to consume it very fast before it's gone. And our, you know, our, our checks and balances, which exist in our body that are, that have adapted to a more abundant food, such as, you know, meat for that, that matter, or um, fats do not really exist for carbohydrates and we can overeat them much more readily. So, mm. We want to practice our body's ability to go from one main source of calories to another with great ease and flexibility. And when we talk about, you know, a protein poor day, yeah, it's like fasting. We should adjust our energy expenditure, the demand we, we put on our body when we challenge our body that way. You shouldn't be probably, again, this is again speculation and theories, but we probably shouldn't be taxing our, our central nervous system with a lot of stress that day. I'm talking about lifting heavy weights or, or you know, pushing yourself to the max because the body has less building blocks to recover. Or definitely, if you have done that, the following day should be a, a more restful day. But to answer your question, you should be striving for challenges in, in different sources of calories in order to expand your metabolic flexibility. Yeah, and through that, also downregulate mTOR because, yeah, mTOR is a pathway that is a major culprit in aging. And, in and cancer. And, and in cancer, by the way, and in, uh, and in unrepaired damage or proliferating damage, if you would. But my understanding is that sometimes it's good because we want to become anabolic at times, but we don't want to be anabolic all the time is what you're saying. So yes. that's why rotating. Okay. Yeah. And that, and mm -hmm. also that is that, that is the end result. Are we anabolic or are we catabolic? Do we, are we in a breakdown mode or are we in a kind of building an accumulation mode? And we can talk about the expression of IGF-1 in that, in that aspect, but basically bottom line a little bit climbing up the ladder of cascade of metabolic events. Okay, that's a theory I've had for a long time. You're trading ultimate or optimal performance now to longevity 
And that's almost unanimous. If you want longevity, you're going to be paying for it with optimal performance right now. You can't redline your body every day and expect your joints, your heart, your lungs, your liver, whatever that may be, to last you in an infinite amount of time in that amount of output. And vice versa, you can't expect to intermittent fast every day and eat one meal and, you know, restrict your calories, etc. every day and expect to have ultimate performance. Your thought on that? What do you think of what I just said? Yeah, I think that's great. And and it's kind of neat. It's I think there's a little bit of a, a relief of pressure by saying, hey, give up on the optimal performance and choose what's fun. So one day for me, mountain biking 20 miles might be fun. And then the next day going for a stroll with a friend and socializing might be fun. Then the next day it's lifting something heavy might be fun. And for women, it varies depending on what your hormones are. If you're a cycling woman, what time of the month it is, whether you should be lifting heavy or doing more high intensity interval training. But I like what you're saying, where you're saying, you know, sometimes we want to be anabolic and then other times we want to be catabolic, but we don't, we don't really want to be one all the time. It's, it's, we live in this dogmatic society where everybody's like, okay, what's the good answer? Let's do keto or this is better or, you know, fasting this many days is better, but it's really about cycling. Like it comes back to what we were talking about with cycling and then choosing real food basically. So you, you mentioned processed fats. So I talked about how fats are good for the skin. If you have fish oil, avocado oil, you know, a moderate amount of uh, nuts may be healthy as well. Olive oil is wonderful. So there are certain types of oils that are really, really good for the skin, but then nutseed oils, you know, soybean, canola, all of those kind of oils, they're highly inflammatory to the skin. So you, they make people more prone to dermatitis, to acne, to clogging of their pores because they just cause inflammation and kind of um, just congestion of the face, you know, where people become real red and scaly and plugged up. So a lot of that has to go back to diet. Yeah. And it's, if you really, again, everything that we're talking about, we should be able to follow it back to our evolutionary framework and make sense of it. And really when we're talking about those plant oils and, and kind of unhealthy seed oils, what we're really seeing is the sources of those oils are things that we haven't evolved to consume large quantities of. And it should mm -hmm. be making sense. Good luck eating the amount of sunflower that would yield the, uh, you know, a, a tablespoon of, of sunflower oil for that matter, or fill in the blank, whichever yeah. other oil we're talking about. And these oils eventually, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're stored as, as, as energy and, and they affect all our uh, fat storages, but they also are the building blocks for so many cellular barriers and, um, and, and cells themselves in our body. So we're literally feeding our body incorrect, suboptimal building blocks. Yeah, I agree. You know, and it's really challenging because the food, I wanted to say big pharma, but it's, it's, the, it's the food companies, although many are the same, right? Yeah. They, you know, they, they have these things priced so well. So you go to buy a dressing at the store and the canola oil or the soybean oil dressing is $2.99. Meanwhile, the avocado oil dressing is $7.99. And even me knowing all the things I know, and I, I, you know, I, I am financially stable, I still had a hard time, you know, because it's this, oh, let's get the best price thing. But when you start thinking about your body is really your most precious resource and everything else around you is insignificant compared to your health. You have to start 
prioritizing that by choosing the right things for you and your family, because the cost may seem higher initially, but in the long run, it's so much less when you're not dealing with sickness. And going back to your point about gluttony, you know, it, it's so easy nowadays and we're all home and we're on the computers and we, we get, I get bored and I get hungry. And instead of cooking food, I just want to grab chips or something that's quick and easy. And um, well, we can talk about chips and AGEs as well, right? You know, like processed foods and high glycemic foods and foods that are cooked high and hot, like um, charred on the grill, they, they form something called advanced glycation end products and they circulate through your blood and, and bind to proteins everywhere in all of your vessels, but also your skin. And that's what makes skin, instead of being supple and bouncing back, it makes skin um, very stiff. And you can often see um, hatch marks, like I call them hatch marks of wrinkles on the cheeks and on the skin from that collagen damage from the AGEs. So that's just another take on what on what food can do. But we have the ability to live. I, I think I'm reading um, Serbia Young's book right now. Have you heard of it? Um, the art, is, I think it's called The Science of Growing Young. Some of the art and science no, of I, growing I young. No, I need to, I need to look, look at it. Just came. Yeah, it just came out. He's an investor in the longevity industry. So he's talking about like all the trends that are out there now. And it's it's pretty interesting because we do have the capability to live a long time. If we don't allow these, you know, these, what we call standards in society, you know, you go to the grocery store, you can't trust that that is food. It's on the shelf and it's packaged as food, but it's not really food. Our body doesn't recognize it as food. So what happens is when we eat things that we that are nutritionally poor, calorically dense, high calories, no nutrients. So we're still hungry because our body's like, give me nutrients, please. But meanwhile, we're getting calories. And in the meantime, our gut is like invader, invader, invader. And we get leaky gut. We develop allergies. We have bloating and we feel sick after we eat. We're still hungry, even though we're bloated. All of these things are a result of our diets, you know, and, and the, the processed chemicals that, that we're coming into contact with. And trust me, I'm not perfect. I, I eat plenty of these, but, you know, at least I know when I have a reaction, what's going on and it puts me in check for the next decision-making opportunity. Yeah, 100%. And, and we're all imperfect. I think that, that, that we wouldn't be able to relate to people who are maybe a little bit less advanced in their journey as far as skin health and health and well-being and health in general. Uh, only because our challenges in making decisions are similar to theirs. We just have more of that habit of making right decisions than maybe someone else. And that's all there is to it. That's why someone is looking like a Greek god or goddess and the other person is somewhere else on their journey. The difference is, is the accumulation of good good decisions. That's that's the entire difference. And all we're here to do is, is to um, feed someone's ear and eyes in that matter uh, good nutrition to their conscious and subconscious as far as which, which decisions they should be making and what um, framework they should be living our, their life and their, they should be making their decisions within. Hey there, this is Amitai, co-founder and CEO of Young Goose and uh, host of the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. I wanted to take a brief moment to share something really special with you, our dedicated listeners. At Young Goose, we've always been about more than just skincare. We are about cellular care. We believe in not just addressing the signs, but truly diving into the very source of skin aging. The reality is, as time goes on, our skin undergoes damage, and this damage accumulates 
gradually leading to those signs of aging we all see and know very well. But what if we could hit the rewind button? What if we could delve deep, in, uh, not into the layers of the skin, but into the life-sustaining mechanisms of our skin cells? That's exactly what we're doing at Young Goose. We're pioneering a renaissance in skincare by employing principles from regenerative medicine. By rejuvenating and restoring the cellular functions, our products aim to rewind time, gifting your skin a youthful, vibrant glow. And for our Biohacking Beauty listeners, we have a special treat. Head over to younggoose.com right now and use the code PODCAST10 to get 10% off your first purchase. Discover the magic of truly transformative skincare. And hey, because we value our returning customers just as much, use PODCAST5 on your subsequent purchases to get 5% off. And the best part that this discount can be combined with subscriptions and our already discounted systems. So why wait? Dive deep into the realm of regenerative skincare with Young Goose and let your skin thank you. Remember, it's not just skincare, it's cellular care. And now back to our conversation. kind of jumping into our main main subject of this conversation which I want to kind of touch a little bit a little bit on so we said that this that's winter is 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 a season or fall and winter really are seasons where our skin barrier is is being compromised because of harsher conditions for it uh, and that it's made out of lipids out of uh, fats and that it our body needs to replenish it from good sources um what other characteristics would you say the colder seasons have and how does it reflect in our decisions in skin health? I wanted to bring up one more thing that the people often think that their skin is dry. And what happens when we're young, our, you know, when you're 25, 29, 35, it takes about 28 days to 40 days for your skin to go from the bottom layer to the top layer and turn over, right? Stem cells are producing fresh skin every day. They're exfoliating properly. So a lot of times when people are in their forties, fifties and beyond, they notice that their skin is dry. And what's happening is adding hydration isn't going to do the trick just by adding hydration because the skin layer on top is adhering a little bit more and the stem Mm -hmm. cells are a little bit slower and lazier. So you want to enhance exfoliation, not to the point of irritation, but use a product or a mechanical exfoliation, either chemical or mechanical exfoliation to remove the dead skin cells so that the products can hydrate properly because those dead skin cells will often uh, insulate the healthy, alive skin cells below and they won't be able to receive the product properly. So often, you know, fall is a great time to do those exfoliation procedures and remove some of the brown spots in the summer. And then you want to hit it hard in the winter with hydration and always protect your skin from the sun, you know, in the high real estate areas of the face, the neck, the chest, the back of the hands that are exposed every day, because if you don't need a flashlight outside, what is brightening the sky? It's UV radiation, right? It's getting to you as well. I'm a dermatologist and I go outside every day. I mean, I'm outside two or three hours a day. So yeah. There's, I mean, we're not preaching stay inside and don't go in the sun and don't live your life and be happy. Just be smart about it. Yes, and definitely. So what you're saying is that in the winter, because the sun is less powerful, we can kind of do those more, more, you know, 
skin sensitizing procedures and um, just make sure we're, we're shielding ourselves from the, the UV radiation that there is still outside, but we can be braver than in, in the uh, more hot sun glowing months. Exactly. And I'm not really that afraid of those. I mean, some people will say, oh, don't do it in the summer. But you see when you live in Florida and I've lived in Hawaii, California, yeah. and Arizona, places that are always sunny, you can still do you know, those procedures and do some exfoliation and get results as long as you're wearing a hat and proper sunscreen and supporting your skin with the right skincare. Okay. So I want to ask you as far as obviously we're getting into the, uh, into nuances here. And as I preach a lot in the uh, podcast, we really should attach ourselves to professionals, which we hire their services, someone who would, who would uh, walk us through a journey and would um, be able to give us pointers who are correct for us specifically. But maybe as an overview, I know you said you're not in favor of more aggressive things, but what are some of the avenues someone can take as far as renewing their skin and, and helping it shed that extra layer of, when you say exfoliation, when you say, you know, mechanical or chemical, can you go over a few things that you like? Maybe even things that you like more and less. Sure, sure. I am in favor of more aggressive things in the right hands. I have seen scarring. If You can't just go anywhere. The problem with some of uh, the devices out there, the laser devices, is that regulations vary so much from state to state. And I have seen some really serious scarring when it was done in the wrong hands. And unfortunately, the consumer often believes that if someone can do the procedure, they should do the procedure. So I I mean, obviously I'm biased to go to a board certified dermatologist because we know the skin, you know, if I'm doing a laser procedure and I could see a reaction that the skin's having, I understand, I understand the physiology of the skin and I know to stop and adjust the parameters of the laser. So simplest to most complicated. So simplest is if you're acne prone or more oily or have more sensitive skin, I like products, a, a chemical exfoliator, and I don't like to use the word chemical, but it is a chemical exfoliator, like salicylic acid. It comes from the willow bark tree, same as aspirin. It's anti-inflammatory, but it's also keratolytic, which basically is a big word that means like it exfoliates dead skin cells that don't belong there, okay, which is the top layer of the skin. And most of the products over the counter are 2%, very, very mild. They can be used daily for a week or two. There are also enzyme exfoliation products out there with like papaya and some other kind of natural enzyme exfoliators that can be used. If you have more aged skin that's not sensitive, uh, not rosacea prone and have brown spots, then you can look for products with glycolic acid. I tend to be red and rosacea prone, so I don't tolerate glycolic acid. It starts burning right away. But if you don't have any problems with sensitivity, glycolic acid can, be, can work well for you. There's also lactic acid, which tends to be better for dehydrated skin. And a lot of the products have combination, like lactic, yeah. glycolic acid kind of things. And then um, mechanical exfoliation is basically like beads. I don't recommend using seeds or nuts because they have angulated particles that can cause uh, mechanical shearing and tears in the skin. So I don't recommend a harsh, you know, if your face is bright red after you, you scrub your face, it's the wrong product for you. So choosing an elegant exfoliation, there's brushes and things like that you can use just to kind of mechanically or just grab a fresh wash cloth every day and use the product with that if you don't have the money for a brush. I really can work with any budget. 
And then I'd say the second line is to go into an office and have them do a light chemical peel, like a lunchtime peel. And most medical estheticians and offices can do that with any of the chemicals. And then more aggressive, if you have a lot of sun damage or if you have some of the hatch marks, wrinkles that we talked about. So there, you know, most people have wrinkles that move with their face. Like when they smile, they get a little wrinkle. But when you, you know, when you look at the cheek, especially in people who live at high elevation, I see this a lot in Colorado and Utah, where the radiation is super high. I think we increase about 3% for every thousand feet over sea level of the amount of UV radiation you're getting. So uh, the collagen really breaks down. And when you're having wrinkles that don't stretch out, they kind of stay there. If you stretch the skin, whether it's around the mouth or the cheeks, then you need a resurfacing laser, like a deeper laser, like a CO2 or one of the more ablative lasers where you kind of just stay inside for a week or two afterwards. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, and and that you definitely want to do in the hands of someone and have the appropriate aftercare as well. Definitely. So a little bit of an angle, something I've I've been experimenting with recently and seems to be um, effective. We're not going to be doing with it anything as a company for a while, uh, just because of... um, patents involved and where it is in our, in our pipeline. But people should be looking at if they did do something that's a little bit more aggressive and then they expect their body to create collagen well, people should be looking at the peptide BPC-157. I was going to say GHKCU. That's another okay, peptide yes, I like. <laughs> that, that's, you know what? Thank you for saying that because that would have been a shameless plug if I just have said it myself because uh, we <laughs> oh, really? were, talking about, were talking about glycation and uh, its effect on the skin, how it, it does cause that rigidness, that thinning as well, but rigidness of the skin tissue. And uh, when we designed our eye cream, the premise behind the eye cream was negating glycation. And uh, GHKCU, which is the star ingredient in our eye cream, was definitely chosen aside, you know, uh, together with a few other peptides that we've developed in order to achieve uh, that goal. I love peptides. So are you talking with the BPC-157? Are you talking about topical cream or injectable? So topical cream, there is a company, they changed their name, but people can look at like um, liquid stable BPC-157 serum. I haven't seen any proof that this, that that it, it is, transdermal or that it would uh, penetrate the skin. So I'm just, you know, until we have that information, I wouldn't be going for that. It's also expensive. But what I would, you know, look at are uh, products that are uh, supplements that have uh, BPC-157, or Mm -hmm. if people can get it, I know it's a little problematic right now, but if people want to get it prescribed by their doctor for them to inject it into their into their abdomen, into the fat in the abdomen, subcutaneous fat in the abdomen with um, syringes, the same syringes you would be using for insulin, that can happen too. Just because of the ease of it and how we can talk about the pros and cons, but um, I think more people would prefer starting with a supplement and that's available. I know a few companies that make supplements, of course, uh, tailor-made health. Yeah, that's who I use. Yeah, the big uh, guru of uh, of, uh, peptide... uh, Formulation. I can't get injectables from them anymore, though. But I, I get uh, they have ah. the they call it Infinity Health now. It's Infinity Health instead of TaylorMade. Really? <laughs> yeah. Not um. So the the pills are Infinity I N F I N I Health, and I don't know if you need a prescription or not for them. I don't think you do. I don't think. Okay. You, uh, but yeah, I think they me, have like a, just to I give think... another option. I I am going to look for this. It's called Pure 
But I like uh, GHKCU also in an injectable form. And then the BPC157 is great for, um, well, orally, it's great if you have stomach issues, like reflux and Correct. things like that. And then injectably, it works really well for like musculoskeletal issues and, and tendon Correct. and stuff. Correct, 100%. Yeah. So it, it's very interesting. This peptide was isolated. So a peptide, you know, if I want to explain, you know, give it an elevator pitch to why people should be looking at peptides. The peptides are really the body's uh, kind of a command. Messengers. Yes, the, the body's messenger, the, way, the ways that we can kind of biomodulate. And, and BPC-157 is actually isolated from gut bile. So when gut bile kind of, you know, damages gut lining, that is the peptide that is expre being expressed in order to repair that, that layer. So yeah, if we're going to ingest it, most of it is going to stay in the gut. But the benefits, like anti-inflammatory benefits, some of it is, is going to go systemically. So, so we can start with that. But injecting it into our subcutaneous fat, it is going systemically and, and kind of improving collagen deposition, among other things, among reducing inflammation. So if anyone's doing more ablative procedures, maybe they can look at that option as far as supporting that and healing faster, etc. So... I do have to tell you, like, be careful when you do procedures of just putting anything on your face, because I, I do all sorts of crazy things to myself. And I did a microneedling procedure to my face and I had some GHKCU from TaylorMade. This was like two or three years ago. It wasn't your products. And I put it on my face immediately after thinking it would help. And it formed little nodules all over my face for about two months. Wow. So sometimes the particles can get trapped into the little micro channels and, and cause some sort of, an, you know, an inflammation or an irritation or even a granulomic kind of response. So yeah, um, uh, 100%. Yeah. And, and keeping the product GHKCU stable within the liquid, making sure it gets to your skin in, in its right form and making sure it, you know, gets absorbed well into the skin and get dis gets dispersed well into the skin is an art in and in itself. I think that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, you know, as someone who creates these products, like not all products are created equal just because it says it has some ingredient in it. You kind of get what you pay for. So, yeah. I mean, the formulation is everything. If it's not going to get to where it needs to be in the skin, then there's no point of even using it. Couldn't agree more. Jen, you know, you are the, uh, you know, you're a very busy person. So, we can't rob the world of your presence for much longer. Do me a favor. If you have any other uh, tips that you feel are imperative to share, great. Do you have anything else yes. that you feel is important? Okay. Yes. I'm just going to summarize. So hydrate, make sure that, that there's water on your skin before you seal it in. Actives always go first. Moisturizer second in order to kind of trap and seal it in so the actives can get deeper in the skin. Look for healthy fats, avoid processed food, avoid nut seed oils that we mentioned, avoid limit sugar, because when you have high sugar going through your body, it's really going to just make your skin look bad. That's all I'm going to say about that. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of dairy. I feel like dairy is very inflammatory and it causes a lot of breakouts on people. Whey protein, I've seen hit or miss on people because it can raise insulin-like growth factor and cause some breakouts in people. I personally tolerate it fine. Some people don't. So if you're acne prone, avoid that. When you're showering in the winter, make sure you put a ceramide-rich moisturizing cream on your body. Lotions evaporate. They sometimes have alcohol and they dry you out. You always want a cream on the body. 
And I know there was something else I was going to say. Oh, and then the exfoliation. We talked about the exfoliation. And then I think exercise is essential for healthy skin. You have to have muscle mass and healthy bones for your skin to sit on. So if you, yeah, if you're emaciated and you don't have good muscle mass and you don't have healthy bones, your skin is going to sag over time. So exercise and then also exercise enhances blood flow and blood delivers nutrients and oxygen and takes away the metabolic waste products that happen every day when our skin cycles. And then you mentioned, well, you didn't really mention intermittent fasting, but we, we kind of touched on it a yeah. little bit. Intermittent fasting gives your body a chance to clean out the garbage and look refreshed and renewed. So huge fan of that, whether you like to do 24 hours or brave enough to do 72 or autophagy peaks, or if you just want to do time-restricted eating for women, it's best done in the first couple of weeks of their cycle, really, really weeks two and three or week two is, is a great time to lift heavy and do um, uh, some time-restricted eating with like 16 hour fast and eight hour window, but 12 hours is easy to do most of the time without throwing off cortisol. Wow, Jen, I think, I think <laughs> we can have an amazing podcast looking at the relationship between in women hormones, skin, you know, and, and, and adjunct endeavors such as intermittent fasting, lifting, and kind of creating a, 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 a circuit or whatever you want to call it, some kind circadian, of Circadian, like our own circadian yeah. rhythm. Yeah, kind of, kind of interacting with our, with our uh, circadian and our m- lunar rhythm, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's interesting because when women are in nature, they actually tend to cycle with either the full moon or the new moon, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to me. It is. So Jen, thank you so much. You are are this podcast's idol. We adore you. And um, I don't know, there are not enough superlatives to to say how much we appreciate uh, (laughs) your time. You are um, an amazing person. You are definitely embodying what this podcast is about, which is about health radiating from within and um, showing through our skin. Another favor I want to ask you, where can people feed their ears with your uh, lovely information diet and how can they follow you? And of course, everything is going to be in the description anyway, but if you could detail. Oh, thank you. You know, it's funny because I always get a little nervous talking to you because you're so smart. I almost feel like I'm getting tested. Um, Whatever I know, you know, on like 20 deeper levels. So it's always really fun talking to you. I have been very lazy. I have to tell everyone I spent the summer in Park City, just enjoying the mountains and taking some time to myself. So my podcast was on hold. It's starting up again. And we're going to do some really interesting topics on sex and brain health and kind of just all over the spectrum. And I definitely want to have you back on talking about this new product because that's exciting and uh, you know just the the you know the whole physiology behind mTOR um and bring that to light and people and why it's so important to know about it but my podcast um it's on all the platforms it's called radiance revealed and uh i'm on instagram just at dr jen haley and those are probably the two best places i do do um telemedicine consultations in 22 states including florida through a platform called dermatologist on call and I try to incorporate a holistic approach along with, you know, some medical approaches as well, some more traditional stuff until the lifestyle stuff kicks in. And then we, we let that take over. Amen. Jen, again, you are a gift to the world. We will send you a gift. <laughs> and you. We love you. Uh, <laughs> and go enjoy this day. 